It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Is that cup of Stanley? Welcome, everyone, to the newest episode of Here in Puckburg, your place for the daring, do bad, and good puck tales on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sullivan, aka Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Puck Tales. Woohoo! And the you know who at the other end of the woohoo is none other than Neil Villapiano, mm-hmm. uh, the host of Devil's State of Mind. And if anybody has joined the show in any capacity over the over the duration of the podcast, everyone knows that I am a secret New Jersey Devils fanatic. So this makes my heart very happy. Um, Neil, how's it going, my friend? It's going well. It's going very well. And uh, obviously, fan of the show. Uh, you know, I, I remember listening to you guys when you guys were on. You know, um, you know, belly up and a couple of other places. And uh, when I heard that you guys were joining. The Hockey Pod Network, I was very pumped up because uh, obviously you guys are joining a really, really awesome, you know, network. You know, I've been a part of it for over two years now and, uh, you know, we continue to go up and up and up and it's been very exciting. And I'm always excited to jump on other people's podcasts and just talk about what we all love and that is hockey and certainly what I love and what you also secretly love and that is the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, it's it's been so much fun being a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. I love it. It's a super incredible community. And like I even threw it out on our Twitter. Like if you like our show, like scroll down the site. Like you could fine tune, like we're kind of like a huge blast of hockey content. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you want something to follow your team, Hockey Podcast Network has you taken care of. And 100%. like you do a bang up job with the devil's stuff. And thank you. It's thank you. I appreciate uh, it. I'm so happy to like get you on and we can talk your story and the devils, of course. So let's, let's rewind this bad boy back to the beginning. How in the world did you fall in love with the game of hockey? That's a good question. Um, It really kind of started in the mid two thousands. I was born in 1997. So I wasn't alive for when the devils won the cup in 95 and to be quite honest with you, I wasn't really, I don't have a conscious memory of us winning the cup in 2000 or 2003. Um, and we certainly don't talk about 2001. I would rather we not talk about that. Um, but uh, I would say around 2005, 2006 is when I really started watching. Um, you know, my family is very sports oriented. We all love sports. Um, everybody will tell you in my family that I am the man who knows everything and anything you need to know about sports. And based off of everything that I do in my career, you could tell that uh, I have my hand in a bunch of different baskets. And having also an uncle that played in the National Football League for over a decade, Phil Villapiano, played with the Raiders, uh, won a Super Bowl in 1976. Um, You know, you kind of get into sports very easily. But hockey was never a sport that 
was talked about a lot um, in the household, wasn't really mentioned a whole lot. And I remember just having, having, you know, just happened to walk into the room one day when my dad was watching the game. And it was almost like that instant, like watching it. You're five minutes into it and you're hooked. You love yeah. the speed. You love the physicality. You love the fact that these guys are on skates going at, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles per hour, you know, and having to stop on a dime to make plays. And it was just right from there, I fell in love with the sport. And me being a very big fan of supporting the local teams, it was just easy for me to jump on and be a New Jersey Devils fan. Not terribly far away, you know, like maybe 45 minutes away from my house when they played in the old uh, Continental Airlines Arena or Brendan Byrne or whatever, whatever you associate that arena in the Meadowlands as when you went to games. Um, it just, it was like love at first sight. You know, it's just like yeah. when you, when you see somebody that you, you truly like fall in love with right away, it's, it's kind of like, you know, and that was you know. kind of what it was for me with hockey. It was just right away. I said, this is such a great sport to watch. It's so exciting. And from that moment on, I, I pride myself, I prided myself on learning everything and everything there was to know about the game of hockey. And I think I, I think I do a pretty good job to say the least. <laughs> and oh, man, that like hearing you talk about it, I, I love that. Like and having like an uncle in the NFL, when you, you like, you have your basic concept of sport, you know, right. what sports can be, you know, especially like having a Super Bowl winner in the family, like, you know, mm -hmm. the pinnacle of sports. So right. when you, when you discovered hockey, you had that like kind of feeling like you found like a hidden gem. Like you're like, Hey right. guys, I understand. Like all this is great, but like, <laughs> have you checked this out? They're on exactly. skates. They're on blade. Right. They're doing all this spectacle of sport on yeah. knives. So uh, I, I completely understand like that feeling. And you're talking about supporting the local teams. Like, Oh, that the old barn. Wasn't that near that super like incredible huge mall that they tried to build? Well, the mall actually does exist. Uh Mall of America, as they call it. Um, or no, excuse me, American Dream Mall. Yeah, that's which, right. Uh, it's only at which only works like half of the building works. Um, yeah, it's a joke. Uh it still yeah. is, and it will probably never be fully finished because the amount of money that has been put into it is ridiculous. Uh, but fun fact, the arena still exists it's still been called the izod center for a long time the devils moved out of there before it became the izod center they now play in downtown newark which i think is better because they play in a downtown city area but still um you know you'd prefer to play in an area where i think there would be more of your fan base but mm -hmm. i totally get it but it's also right right across the street from MetLife Stadium or what yep. was Giant Stadium. And so it was kind of for a long time, it was like the place to be for for New Jersey sports fans. You know, you had the Giants and the Jets. You had the Devils and the Nets as well playing at that arena. You know, you had all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's still there. I don't know if anybody actually uses it anymore. I think maybe for for minor concerts or like other like low tier events. But I don't even know if they do anything like that anymore, but yeah, that arena is mm. still there. Yeah. I, I remember, and like, I love the new setup with the rock. Uh, I love the mm -hmm. Prudential center. Um, it's, it's like three blocks from Penn station. So, so while like, it's, it's like, honestly, you get off at Newark, 
Um, and I, that's what I do. I, I get on the yep. train from where I'm from. I go over there. I walk down and walk like two or three blocks and I'm there. It's honestly, it's very much similar to like going to Madison Square Garden where exactly. you, know, you get off the train, you go upstairs and it's right there. Very similar. Um, it's just a very easy commute in many ways. Yeah, I've, I've, I've made that same train ride, uh, train ride myself. Uh, I train right in, walk right there, and I'll usually stay at that hotel that's, that shares the parking lot. Yeah, uh, of yeah, the rock and it's it's a it's a really nice arena too so i i love all i love all that and yeah. so you you said you fell in love kind of around 0607 mm-hmm. kind of coming off the heels of the glory days for lack of a better term of the devils um because mm-hmm. everybody t- it's one of those things that kind of like the avalanche like they faced when you talk about like the avalanche and devils for so long you kind of held them in the same uh, regard. Yeah. Like they were great in the nineties and two thousands, but <laughs> they're kind of like, not the same. There's a right. shell there, but what is it like becoming a fan of a team, like coming off of the golden years for like lack of a better term? I know the devils are building something really good right now and mm-hmm. they have the pieces in place. Mm-hmm. But what what is it like securing that fandom, like hearing how you fell in love with the game and that passion that you had? How does that couple with the Devils and on kind of the downturn? You know, I've, I've thought about this a bunch, um, you know, and, I, and I've said this before. Anybody who was born after or even in the middle of those cup runs, um, you know, they have a right to complain about not seeing their team win and win anything. Um, you know, I kind of act like I'm a fan of a team that's never even won the cup because I've never seen it. Um, yeah. You know, I'm a Devils fan, first and foremost. I'm also, for those of you that don't know, I'm actually also a San Jose Sharks fan because my dad used to live out in San Jose. So twice in 2012 and also in 2016, my team finished two wins shy of winning the cup. Uh, 2012 is, uh, it's it's always a tough year to think about because we know the, the you know, we, we had chances to get it done and other things, you know, unfortunately got in the way of us winning that cup. And I think a lot of us thought that we would be back. And that's when I learned about the business of sports and also the human side as well with Zach Parise going to, yep. going back home with his dad not doing well. And ultimately he did die a couple of months uh, after he decided to go back home. But, you know, it's, it's, there's been some really good memories, you know, 17, 18 obviously stands out with the, with Taylor all in his heart trophy season and feeling like at that time that we were finally turning a corner and becoming, you know, something big and realizing that we were very, very far away. Um, we were a lot further away than any of us would like to um, admit, but you know, you got used to when I really started watching the Devils because you got used to the team, at least making the playoffs and giving them a shot to win the cup. Um, and nowadays, it's kind of like for a lot of us Devils fans, we're asking for like the bare minimum: can we finish 500? Can we finish over 500? Can we make the playoffs as a seventh or eighth seed? Like that is a lot of our expectation going into this upcoming season. Can yeah. we just get back into the playoffs? We're not asking to go win the cup. We're not asking to make a deep run. Get into the playoffs. Show like that we're progressing. Um, and it's it's really it is really tough um, to always have to talk about our past. And after a while, you're like. I don't want to talk about the past. I want to talk about now. I want to talk about the yeah. future. I want to talk about us winning now with a new generation of players. I mean, I'm sure a lot of, you know, Avalanche fans can kind of attest to this because it's the same thing for a long time. After 2001, 
while, yes, the Avs were making the playoffs, they weren't winning the Cup. They weren't getting there. And for the longest time up until this past season, their big mark was get into the playoffs, can't for some reason get past the second round. For some reason, it was like one thing or another, and it was getting, I'm sure it was very frustrating. And you had that year in 2016-17 where they finished worse than the league. I mean, that was rock bottom for the Avalanche, but they've they've built that, they've built it up to this point. That's what we're hoping with the Devils now, that we are now finally actually going up instead of like thinking that we're going up and then going down. But yeah, I mean, it's tough when you don't have a conscious memory of seeing your team win any of those three championships because one, like I said, one wasn't alive for the other, the second one, I was only three years old. And the third one, I was only six. And a lot of us don't really remember a whole lot from when we were very, very young. So yeah, you know, you, you kind of get reminded of the glory days, but as you get older and you become more knowledgeable and more conscious of everything, you want to have your own piece of that of that glory. Like you want to you want to see your team. You want to feel like you got a chance to see your team win a championship in your lifetime. And being a fan of a lot of the local teams in this in this area in New Jersey, New York metropolitan area, been very fortunate. I've seen the Giants win two Super Bowls. I've seen the Yankees win a World Series championship. You know, I've seen other teams of lower tier sports win championships and you know, I'm also a big Nets fan, even when they were still playing in New Jersey. And I'm still waiting on I'm still waiting on that. And at least with that, they yeah. still haven't won a championship. Yeah. And I'm just praying to God that we could go five minutes without KD or Kyrie doing God knows what <laughs> to really make a story as they've been doing every other freaking day. But yeah, I mean it's it's with the devils, it's let's we we, we want to get back to being a ch- we're tired of hearing everyone around us say your future's bright. You're building something special. Okay, when does that stop and we start actually proving it on the ice and we don't get beat up every other game? That's what we're looking for. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough that I jumped in after the glory days happened and we haven't done anything since. Um, but all of this is the hope that with the patience comes reward. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what a lot of us younger Devils fans are hoping for, that we eventually get to be a part of our own thing where we can we can look back when we're older and say oh we were part of this type of you know glory glory years so to speak uh and so much of that i can relate with like you want to it's nice that your team has those cups but you want to feel like you were a like you had ownership like you feel a part right. of them like like i was about between like 7 and 10 11 when the first cup runs for the avs happened and that like I I remember them vividly watching them on television, but it was a nice thing to see. This 2022 Stanley Cup for the Avalanche, I will never forget a name on this roster because I remember when they were drafted, when they were acquired, um, the highs and the lows for every one of them. Um, I will remember them. So it's it's one of those things that yes, you missed out on the John Madden, the Brodeurs. Yes, you missed out on the big names, but now you're going to know the Hughes, the the Graves, the Dougie Hamiltons. Like you're yeah. going to know, you're going to know these names because you remember the moment. I remember when we brought them in here and everybody was saying this, and now look at where we are now. And now a word from our sponsors. The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. 
With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. You make a bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash it in. You could throw down on all the major action from baseball, golf, MMA, and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And now we resume our regularly scheduled program here in Buckburg, live in living color for your ear holes. Yeah. You have them. And I love when you brought up the Nets as well. I used to love the Jason Kidd, like the Van Horn. I love those. The Nets had the original big three. I always tell people this. The Nets had the original big three with Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, and Vince Carter. Like that was the original big three. And if they had just had a decent coach and like a little bit better role players, they might have done something. But they also ran into a buzzsaw in the 2006. Uh, Miami Heat, who won the NBA title that year. They had to face LeBron and the Cavs a bunch of time, which, you know, again, LeBron's carrying the team, but still, like, it's just when LeBron's on his game and everybody's playing well with him, you know, there isn't much you can do. And but I get a chance to cover the Nets because I cover them on the sister network, uh, the basketball podcast over Bridge to Nets is uh, the mm-hmm. podcast that I cover. Now, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm jumping in at the right time with this team yeah. on paper being a chance to win something that, and I'm like, I just want one. I'm not asking for a dynasty. I'm not, I'm not asking for that. And it's kind of like the same thing with the devils. I'm not really asking for a dynasty. I'm asking for this team to be good one. enough to win a championship. Yep. Yeah. You want to see, because like at the base of it, we're all just fans here. It doesn't matter right. like your sport, like, because I have vested interest in all these teams, league sports. Like I just want to have that feeling of one, right? Like to see everything I've endured highs and lows of a fan, mm-hmm. like pay off, like where you have to defend like those players that everybody else is kind of like, I don't see how this works and became a vital piece of the mm-hmm. story and the narrative at the end of everything. Like that's what the abs right. went through with like Darren Helm, and like Curtis Ooh. McDermott, like the names that you're like too old, doesn't have a place. Like we don't need a goon on this team. Still playing in the league. That was surprising it, to me. I didn't even and, know he was on the abs until he got the game winner against St. Louis. Like I was it, like, wait a minute, this is the same Darren Helm that had, you know, that game winning goal again with the Red Wings in 2009 that sent them to the second straight cup final. I mean, I'm like, how I was thinking, like, is he like forty five now? Like, yeah. how old is Darren Helm at this point? Like, I think he was. Yeah, he was. He's touching. I think he's in the late thirties, forties. He's, he's like. like I want to say he's like thirty seven, thirty eight. I'm gonna go because he was pretty young when he when he was with the Red Wings in 09, I think he was pretty. And, young. and like I was like on the show, like everybody knows, like I'm co-host over on Locked On Avalanche, like I was a huge Nazem Kadri fan and a huge defender of his. And like to see him 
transform his game from what we know Nas to be to a veteran leader and, and like playing with a renowned hockey IQ this year He's that good. paid off in a cup. Like that's it was so good to see all of that defending when everybody's like oh he's just a goon and then having mm-hmm. to defend all that that happened in the st louis series of yeah. taking out bennington and uh kind of like the who shot jr narrative around it where everybody had an opinion and yep. it was all it was like a david lynch movie like yeah. everybody had a theory on what this was <laughs> and what it meant everybody was right and everybody was wrong all at the same time exactly so I like to see that pay off. Like I totally oh, get it paid that. off more than just winning a championship. It paid off in uh, finances as well for him. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. He's going to have a blast with that head coach. But those two personalities just, are going I, to I be. Just, we, we were like as Devils fans, we were kind of laughing at the whole situation only because you know, as we know, our longtime GM Lou Lamorello is now the GM of the New York Islanders, and the fact that Lou did not sign a single free agent this off season. We've been trying to tell Islanders fans at some point he's going to start doing stuff that doesn't that you you want to hope that makes sense, but you know deep down from a hockey sense it it's not going to. And I said this before about Lou, and I always thank him for building what he built with the Devils. Yeah. But once the cap became a definitive part of the NHL, which I still think the salary cap means nothing considering Vegas gets away with everything every single year. Um, Lou has just never been able to adapt to the salary cap. He just never yeah. – it applied with the Devils. We were the oldest team in the league when he when he was uh, removed and Ray Shiro took over. And, you know, now the Islanders are the oldest team in the league. And they have a lot of older players, a lot of old Devils as well. I mean, they have Kyle Palmieri, who is not the same player that he once was. Zach Parise just – you know, he's like, what, your third, fourth line winger at this point? Yeah. I mean, you don't have a lot of young guys, and you don't have a big farm system either. And so when they were in position, whenever go, you know, he's going to uh, the Islanders, first and foremost, Lou doesn't put that stuff out there. So, yeah. like, I don't know where – I don't know how that came out or anything like that. But to me, I think what happened was simply that the, the Flames just came and gave him more money. I don't think the Islanders – I think the Islanders gave him a lot of money, but I think the Flames just gave him more. And um, do I think the Flames are closer than the Islanders? I mean, it's tough to say, especially when you lose Goudreau and Kachuk, you know, in one offseason. But they did pretty well. I think Trevling did the best that he could in the circumstances that he was put in. I'm surprised he didn't get fired after all that. But I think... I think Kadri knew that he was going to get a big money deal from some, like somebody was going to get desperate and give him the money. And yeah. I think the abs were smart not to do it because they look yeah. at it and say, look, we can still win without you. Like, I, I don't yep. mean to say that in a mean spirited way, but it's like our team is relative. Our core has been set. We know what we're about and that's it. And look at how they treated Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper wanted a big money deal and the abs were like, Look, we won. We won a bunch of games with Philip Grubauer. Okay, when you were hurt, Pavel Francouz came in and was actually really good. Hutchinson uh, in the bubble. Hutchinson in the bubble. I mean, it's like we can still win, even if we have to lose people, and that's yep. what makes the team long term dangerous. Because if they can keep filling in guys left and right, then they're good. That was what Tampa done the last three years. They had their core guys. They just filled in pieces left and right, and they were still winning. 
And so, yeah, it, it's, I think that's the big bargaining chip that teams like Tampa Bay and Colorado now have where mm-hmm. they can build a team in such a way that says, we can win without you. We'd love to win with you. Help us out here. And you, you make them. Andre, I was going to say it's the same situation. It's the situation with Andre Pilat. I think Pilat at this point in his career, he's been to four Stanley Cups. He's won two of them. Um, he probably wanted a new challenge, which I, I fully understand. And yeah. coming to a team like the Devils is a new challenge because he's yep. trying to help a team get back into the postseason and become that dangerous team that everybody expects the Devils to eventually be. Plus, the Devils gave him a good amount of money. And I and he knew that the Lightning, because of how much money they're throwing around to Stamkos, Kucherov, um, Point, Vasilevsky, all of these guys, all the money they gave to Anthony Sorelli, Sergachev as well, that he knew that it was very unlikely unless he took a very, very um, low money deal, he had to, he was going to have to go somewhere else. And so like, I'm sure Tampa still feels like, no, we can still compete even losing Andre Pollock, who I actually thought was part of their core. And I think he probably is, but they're going to fill it out in a different way, you know, with whoever they decide to fill them with. And I honestly, I was rooting quietly that, the devils would get Nas because he's that caliber of player that could take a team from outside the playoffs to the second round. And with how the devils are comprised, I felt like that would be the perfect piece. And I I know how you mentioned uh, Calgary. Like I have this weird feeling. uh, It's one of those, it's not the popular narrative right now, but Calgary to me reminds me of Chicago last year before the season started when the acquisitions of Flurry and Seth Jones, everybody's like, this team has a chance to make a run. And then look at what happened. And then they fall flat on their face, like, from game one. I mean, I yeah. still remember they played Colorado opening night and got the doors blown off. Yeah, I was, I I was, was hearing, the- like, Blackhawks, this could be the chance that, like, they're putting everything together for one last push to the Stanley Cup, and they could do it. And then opening night, you're just like, never mind. Yeah, now they're and now you look at it a year later, and they're – going to be getting rid of Patrick Kane at some point. They're going to be getting rid of Jonathan Taze. And the only guy that's going to be left is like Seth Jones on that ridiculous contract. So, I mean, it's, yep. it's not a job well done by Chicago. And uh, I mean, look, just kind of going back to Kadri. Yeah. I mean, he was a valuable part to that abs team. And um, you know, from a devil's perspective, we're all hoping that we can find somebody like that, whether that's in our farm system or guys that we have right now, that can be a guy like that because we we need every single player on this team um, to make an impact. It can't yeah. be our top six. It has to be all four forward lines, all three defensive pairings, and both of our goaltenders, especially our goaltending, needs to step up. And um, that's a that's probably the biggest question mark going into the season. Yeah, and I was, you know, I'm I'm so happy we arrived on this topic because. What do you think about the Devils' goaltending? What 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 is going on? What are we done with McKenzie? Are we ready to move mm-hmm. past that? And what where do they go? Well, I think now we have officially accepted that we have taken for granted the fact that we had the greatest net miner to ever play the position for twenty plus years. Um, because if you think about it, since Marty retired or since he, you know, went to St. Louis and obviously we don't like to talk about that, but you know, since he left the devils, the devils um, have definitely struggled to find the long-term solution in it. Now 
to be fair to Corey Schneider, he was the long-term solution. Mm -hmm. It's just that we went through several years where we no scoring. Our defense was consistently solid, even at an older age. Corey was putting up Vesna-like numbers except for win-loss record. And I've argued before that if the Devils were decent and he was winning, you know, 30-some-odd games a year, he would have been at least a finalist one or two times for the Vesna Trophy because he was that good. And by the time 17-18 rolled around, his body started to give out, you know, and he got that groin injury in which he never, for years, just never could recover from. And it was just very unfortunate. And then you go through the likes of, you know, you have Corey, then you have Keith Kincaid, then you mm. transition to Mackenzie Blackwood, and then you tried to, you got Corey Crawford, who got cold feet and decided to retire instead of ever playing a game for the Devils. Yep. Then you had the, you know, Scott Wedgwood, and then you go into this year, you, you had the Bernier, you still have Blackwood who gets hurt. You had Scott Wedgwood, you had freaking Nico Dawes, Akira Schmidt, we had the, the Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond, John Gillies, who will go down as arguably one of the worst goaltenders in Devils history. You know, you say Marty's up at the top. I think John Gillies might be at the bottom. Yeah. Considering how bad he really was. And you go into now, you make the trade to acquire Vitek Vanacek, who it was clearly obvious the Caps were looking to just get rid of both of their guys because mm -hmm. they got rid of Samsonov. They didn't even trade him. They just let him go. They didn't even try to keep him around. And so you get Vanacek, who has been trying to prove he's a number one guy. Caps fans seem to like him. They they thought very highly of him when the, when I was talking about it. A lot of Caps fans reached out to me and said, you're getting a really good guy who's kind of like in the primary right now. And you're trying to figure out if Mackenzie Blackwood is your long-term solution. And the book and the book is still out on him. We, we just don't know. Um, he was hurt most of last year. At first refused to get the vaccine for reasons I'm still not sure about. None of us are really sure about. And we're hearing reports that there is a lot of discontent between both Blackwood and management. And who knows how true to that it actually is. So... You go into this season cautiously optimistic that the goaltending will actually be pretty good. As long as they stay healthy and as long as they're able to make the necessary saves that is going to help us win games. There's going to be nights where the Devils are scoring four, five, six goals because their offense is that lethal. But there's going to be games where the offense is not a whole lot. And we need our goaltending to make, to make big time saves. And can we rely on Banachek? Can we rely on Blackwood? We don't know. We don't know yet. We have to wait and see once the season begins. And we just have to hope that we don't have crazy injuries that force us to go and get our third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh string netminders to try to just get us through the season. Blackwood has to come in and be 100%. Vanacek has to come in and push himself as well as Blackwood for these guys to be good. And... I would like to tell you right here and right here and now that we've definitely gotten over that hump and goaltending is going to be fine. I don't know. We just have to wait and see. I, that's the best that I can give people. Well, with what you're saying with McKenzie Blackwood and the state of honestly, the goalie stable throughout the system mm -hmm. is the defense in front of the goalies. Is that enough to, add a little bit of help because that's what Colorado relied on heavily last yeah. year was, I mean, good grief. We just won the cup with Darcy Kemper. 
I mean, an Arizona Coyote. Kepper was good in Arizona. It wasn't like he was bad. Well, you also see the, you mentioned earlier in the episode that uh, the Avs had a problem with the second round and they got there off Philip Grubauer and you see what his sole talent alone is in Seattle. It's, it's not, it's not that incredible. Like it's not going to buy you a round off that talent. So it's, is the defense in front of the devil's goalies. Is that enough to help also win a game? This is a good question because when you look at where Tom Fitzgerald was, when he took over two years ago as the GM of this team, the defense was the biggest problem at that time. We definitely had found our goal scoring and our goaltending at that point, you know, where we were was actually not that bad, especially when we got Blackwood and then we brought in Corey Crawford at that time. You're thinking, okay, like now our goaltending is like more solidified. We finally got that one B for Blackwood and everything like that. We were more sure about Blackwood two years ago than we are now with all the things that have happened. At that time, the defense was the worst part of our, our penalty kill was like historically bad. We were at one point, we were one of the th- top three worst penalty kill percentages in NHL history. Like that's how bad our defense was. And you look at what Fitzgerald has done. You look at the defensive core right now. It is tremendous what he has done. He mm-hmm. took a second round, uh, like I think it was a third round pick we got in the Taylor Hall trade and got Jonas Siegenthaler who might be one of the best defensive defensemen in the game right now, yeah, just signed easily. it to a long-term deal. You convinced Dougie Hamilton to take almost the same amount of money he would have gotten from Carolina and come to New Jersey as your top pairing. You get a Ryan Graves for basically nothing, if we're being honest. I mean... Maltsev's not nothing. Well, you know, how much uh, does he actually play on a, day to, on a night-to-night basis? He played I mean, 15 games to start off that Stanley Cup run. I mean, yes, I, I He's guess. He's almost okay, got his name got, etched on the cup, almost. You got, <laughs> thing, you got something for Ryan Graves instead of losing him in the expansion draft. Like, Very that's true. what the Devils did. They helped the Avs, and the Devils were able to get Ryan Graves. And you still have Damon Severson, who it's up and down with him. He might have one yeah. great play here, and then the next minute he shoots the puck into his own net. You know, it's yeah. just, it's, but he's our best offensive defenseman. And then you got John Marino in a one-for-one deal yeah. for Ty Smith, which is I think was a job well done. And you brought in Brendan Smith, who hates the Rangers. And I think that that just that right then and there, even if <laughs> Smith doesn't do anything else, him just not liking the Rangers, I think, is a benefit to us anyway. And <laughs> gives him an alternate Smith. captain. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being an alternate captain, yep. considering the veteran presence that he brings. And he's yep. not a bad defenseman in any. He helped the he helped the Canes the last two years. He's sure been like very solid with them. And then you have some young up and coming guys, Luke Hughes, who may very well be the best player in college hockey this year. You drafted Simone Nemetz with the second overall pick who could be a generational defenseman long-term, and you have other guys in your system that we're not even talking about right now. So the Devils' defense right now is very good. It has a little bit of everything. We got we got defense. We have some offense. We have guys that are not afraid to block shots. We have big body guys. If you think, like, look how tall our defense is. You have Dougie Hamilton. You have Siegenthaler, Ryan Graves. I didn't even realize how massive he was until he got yeah. to the Devils. This dude is massive, right? Severson's pretty big. John Marino is is on it. I know he's 6'1", but he's bigger in skates. He's a big 
kind of body dude. And we have just, and we have tall young defensemen in our system as well. So we are, we have got like Kevin Ball, who's like six foot seven, 200 plus pounds. And that guy is a freak of nature. We have created it to make it where we don't have nimble defensemen. We have a lot of big body guys, which Mm -hmm. is going to be vital to helping that. But the defense definitely has to be a big part in helping the goaltending. Like it can't just be, we can't be the Rangers and allow Blackwood and Vanacek to make 60 saves a night. Like we can't do that. We have to make it so that they're averaging between like 28 to 32 shots a night. I think if you get that average, I think you're giving yourself a fair shot. Because if those guys are making the saves that they need to make, we're putting ourselves in the best possible position to succeed. So, yeah, I mean, the defense definitely has to take another step forward. And I feel confident that it will. That is the most confident of the groups that we have when it comes to skaters and goalies that I feel like the defense is really set for not just right now success, but for long term success as well. And how does this make you feel that the Devils are finally after all of these years feels like they're actually putting the right pieces together and then the rest of the east is doing it just a little bit a little bit better you're like you everybody in the east was for so long it was like resting on their laurels they were not it was not this for it's the wild west in the east right now when it comes to moves like ottawa like what in the world is going on in ottawa and a team that you used to kind of look over is now a threat. Um, How does it feel that finally New Jersey is putting this on the right track and the rest of the East is making the track a little bit farther? Well, I mean, you know, I call the Metropolitan Division the division of death for a reason. Um, You know, every year it's a dogfight. You have five or six teams that are competing for three spots. I mean, just it's – we we – as Devils fans are hoping that some of those other teams like the Penguins, the Capitals as well, are starting to fall off and starting to finally, you know, their run of success and allow the younger teams like the Devils to kind of jump ahead. Because if you look at it, the best two teams in the Metropolitan Division going into the season are the Rangers and the Hurricanes. But then Mm -hmm. after that, you have one, at least one open spot. And you have a bunch of teams. You have the Devils. You have the Islanders. You have the Blue Jackets to an extent. You have the Flyers, although I think the Flyers are very far away from being any sort of half-decent right now. But it feels good to know that the Devils are, you know, we can see that there's a direction here. We can see that things, because of crazy things not going our way and crazy things happening, it's prevented us from really taking that next step. And it makes us feel good that every year we're just adding more to the, adding more fuel to the fire. I mean, we're we're adding stuff to the point where we have definitively established our core: Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, um, you know, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, and yeah, you know, Bratt's on a one-year deal, but I still think that's going to get done long-term and all of that stuff. But once you have that established, you're looking at a team that has 25 to $30 million per year via, you know, cap friendly with cap space. We have the opportunity to consistently build good teams around that core of guys and have that be long-term success with also the addition of young players as well, if that's the route that we want to take. So we're not built for the now necessarily. We're built for long-term, like Fitzgerald wants to constantly have us in the running. 
to kind of go back to where the Devils were in the 2000s and yeah. the 2010s and early 2010s and kind of go from there. Consistently giving your team a shot to do something. And now we're at the point where we don't care about having cap space. If we got to spend money, we got to spend money. And we got to go out and we got to start doing the things that we need to do in order to start winning. And so it's exciting, but it's cautiously exciting again because of the things that could potentially happen if you're not careful. So that's the way that I look at it. And, you know, and it's fascinating, like when we started this conversation talking about how you fell in love with the Devils at the time you did, and now look at where you are when it comes to the right. Devils fandom. Like you have all of these pieces that you can make a case for and their worth and legitimacy for this team. So maybe in the next year or two, when the Devils start really making noise, you'll have this, you'll have your team and this mm. cup will be ever so sweet well i i remember um the the same night the avalanche won the cup it was like an hour after it was over i actually went on and recorded an episode that i needed to do for the next night because it was a sunday and i have new episodes that come out every monday and thursday and the title of that episode is that the devils will one day win the stanley cup And it was kind of like trying to get Devils fans to just take a moment to imagine, to look at what the abs did and look at how those fans feel. And just think for a moment how that's going to feel when the Devils get to that point where they are lifting the Stanley Cup. Guys like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Brett, uh, Dougie, Sharon Govich, Mercer, Holtz, Blackwood, Vanacek, all these guys. And... Just think about, you'll be able to look back on those years where we were a laughing stock. We couldn't save a lead to save our lives. And it finally got to a point where all this was worth it. And we ended up being the team that was on top of the mountain and finally bringing the Stanley Cup back to the Garden State. Because to be very honest with you, and I I know this just from talking to people outside of Devil's World, because when you're a fan of a team, especially a team that has a, we'll call it a smaller fan base. You think everything is better and more, you know, it's, you know, crazy than, you know, what team, what fans think outside of your, of your team. A lot of people see the devils from the outside as a quote, irrelevant team right now that like, you know, they're, you know, the devils are, are, haven't been good in over a decade. Like they, they don't even get close. They don't even make the playoffs half the time. Like, you know, who cares? devils right and it will feel that much more gratifying to do the type of things that we are capable of doing and the ultimate opportunity to eventually win a stanley cup it'll all feel that much better once it actually happens and as an avs fan like as avs fan first and foremost but my goodness i love my devils like i will tell all the devils fans that have Wanted to hear your story. Hold on. The trajectory between the Avalanche and the Devils are very similar. If right. honestly, if we've talked I about think, that a bunch in Devils World, I, that we look at the we look at the way these two teams we look at the where what Joe Sakic has done since he took over, what he was trying to do, and you look at the way the Devils have done it. Obviously, the Avs have not dealt with seven different goaltenders in one season or anything like that. But if you disregard the crazy stuff and you look at just how the team is being built, it's the same type of trajectory where Sackick's not building the 
Avs good for one year. He's building yeah. the Avs to be good long term. That's what Fitzgerald wants. He wants a young Devils team that is good, that is constantly competing for championships and giving the Devils fans every year a reason to be hopeful that this year is the year we finally bring it home, so to speak. And and again, to like Devils fans that are listening to this episode, I will tell you, when you hear Neil talking about this team, Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, drafted by Colorado. Matt Duchesne, also drafted by Colorado, was a vital member of this team. Nowhere. He is no longer a member of this Avalanche team and hasn't for a while. They got rid of uh, Stasny, whose family is synonymous with Quebec and everything the Nordiques were. Right. And they had the ability to say, okay, we're good. Ryan O'Reilly, they let him go. And he was, he got a cup elsewhere. I'm just telling the Devils fan base, hold on. It's going to Mm -hmm. be okay. We hit the basement and guess what? Colorado is a small market too. And you feel like Mm -hmm. nobody cares about the avalanche. Nobody watches. Devils fans, make them notice. Continue to, continue to go to the Prudential Center. Support your team. Don't say, yeah, they suck. We give up. It's just the same old, same old. Get excited for this team. Mm-hmm. Get behind this team. Support this team. Because when you have a moment like Colorado just experienced with this shiny cup, take ownership of it because you are a member of it too. I could not have said it better myself, honestly. I think that's that's kind of what I've tried to express to Devils fans that and look, I, I, I could be as negative as anybody as well, based off of, you know, what I've seen. And I get up when I get upset, it's because I know this team can be better than they actually are. And it upsets me when we play so poorly and we get embarrassed. It's, it's not, it's not just about when you lose games. It's about when you get embarrassed that it really hurts. When you like that, you are, that everybody is laughing at you, that everybody is disregarding you and things like that. And that is such a motivating factor. And you're getting a lot of guys moving forward that are so motivated. You have Brad who wants to motivate himself to not only prove that he's worth seven, eight million dollars a year, but he wants to win something here. Same thing with Nico. Same thing. Jack Hughes wants to prove that he is not a bust, that he yeah. is that superstar that we all believe that he's capable of being. Dougie Hamilton, he has a lot to prove to say, hey, look, you went from an, a Hurricanes team that is making deep runs in the playoffs to a Devils team that is barely scratching 500. And you got, and he has to prove that he is still a tremendous defenseman and that he made a, a good choice coming here and, and helping the cause. And I wrote an article for Inside the Puck, which is a hockey blog that I, I write for. And I remember I put out last week, about almost a week ago, uh, a, a opinion piece about should the Devils go after someone like a David Pasternak. And I said, the thing about it is that you also have to make these places attractive to the player. You yep. can't just have the money that they want and expect them to go. To look at what Johnny Gaudreau just did. The Devils ended up offering almost the same amount of money that Columbus did, but Gaudreau didn't want to come to the Devils. And I think part of it had to do with it's to the outsiders, and that includes players. New Jersey doesn't seem all the time as a great place to come and play when especially you haven't won anything. 
And so if you want to get to a point where you're able to attract guys to come even on lesser money deals to make it work with the salary cap, you have to show that you are a team that is progressing. That's what makes a team like Boston at times attractive to guys not only going there, but staying there long term. Yep. That's what it's all about. That's what makes the abs. That's what makes the lightning. That's what makes all these teams attractive to go there, take one or two year deals at one or two million dollars just to get the opportunity to go and play with them and try to do what they always wanted to do. And that is win a Stanley Cup. And, and I think it, that the Devils got to get to that point. And honestly, like if you're a Devils fan, like just supporting your team helps like more than you think. Nashville is out there getting whoever they want because they have a fun environment. When you hear Nashville, you're like, oh, I can uh, I could easily go there because that seems mm-hmm. like a fun environment, a good place to play and a nice like the Prudential Center is in a great area. Mm-hmm. They have great fans like I was there in March uh, watching the game. The ironically, the Avs lost. Um, but what are like, the many comebacks we had that season? Yeah, that was that was a that was a trip. But I was yeah. sitting there and we're looking at like you could get tickets for like five, fifteen dollars just right above us. And I'm like, or one dollar, as we found out later on in the season. Yeah. I was like, it shouldn't be this way. This is a beautiful barn, very yeah. convenient. Like, and this is a fun team to watch. It should not but be like fans that. Fans are also very smart and understand that when the team, when you know the team is not trying to its utmost ability and you know that they can be better than they actually are, the fans are going to let you know. And it's either booing, not showing up, you know, ranting on social media like a lot of us do. That's kind of how we are. And the Devils fans are some of the most loyal fans in, in hockey and even in sports, honestly, because this is the only team. You have to understand that we are the only professional sports team that plays in New Jersey, the state's name. The New York Red Bulls of Major League Soccer are the New York Red Bulls. Yeah. The Giants and the Jets are the New York Giants and the New York the New York Jets. The Nets left and moved across the Hudson River to Brooklyn. So when you look at it and you say you want to you, you look at it and say who represents Jersey, it is the Devils. They are New Jersey. And that is why we care so much about this team because they represent all of us. They represent the great state of New Jersey. And that's that's what it means to us. And we want this team to represent themselves well, but also certainly represent the fans as well. And I will promise you, you put a good team on the ice, the fans will show up. I almost guarantee you that. When you look at what the crowds were like in the playoffs in 2017-18, we were facing off against Tampa. That was legit. We are a team. We have fans that are going to support even if they're not at the games. But if we start winning, you're going to get a lot of people to show up at the Rock. Well, to everyone that's listening to this episode of here in Puckburg and all of my displaced Devils fans, we're all out there. Neil, how can they find you and your show? Because Neil is definitely a place you need to land. This is where you need to go. And you also need to take ownership of Neil and his podcast because where this Devils team's going, you need to find your home over there with Neil. So how do Devils fans find you? Well, first and foremost, again, thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed being on here. But yeah, you can check out the Devil State of My podcast. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday. So uh, when you guys are listening to this episode, I will post a couple of new episodes. We are approaching uh, in the 90s when it comes to season three. 
Um, obviously, season four will be starting relatively soon. I can't believe I'm already on season four of yeah. the Devil State of Mind podcast. The time, the time really does fly when you're having fun. But yeah, and you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Devil State of Mind and you'll like it. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, if you could just leave me a five-star rating on there, that would mean the world to me. It helps get the podcast out there more. We are getting, you know, we get 200 plus downloads an episode now. We are really, really expanding. Shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network and also shout out to Sportswire Radio and my guy Tom who helps me, you know, get more listenership as well. Couldn't be in the position that I'm in without their support. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And if you so happen to have Facebook at this point, you can also like us on Facebook as well. And if you want to follow my personal account, you can follow my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, the NVP show. And also my personal Instagram at NVPQB11. Just talk devils, hockey, sports, or even life, my DMs are always open. But again, thank you so much, my friend, for having me on today. This was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll definitely have you on the Devil State of Mind podcast as well. Always looking for new guests. And also to help you guys get get the podcast out even more on our network. And uh, But again, thank you so much for having me on today. This was a lot of fun. Neil, you're one of the best in the business, my friend. It's an honor to have you on. One of the best in the business. And you know what? Devils fans are absolutely honored to have you on their side. Thank you. And if this is your first time stopping by here in Puckburg, you can also follow our show on Twitter at HPuckburg. On Instagram, just search here underscore, under, yeah, here underscore in underscore Puckburg. Um, yeah, we're part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're teammates over there with Devil State of Mind. So can't get any better than that. So, everybody, thank you for joining this week's episode of Here in Puckburg, and we will see you again real soon.